tie on, so that must mean I'm the guy preaching. Um, You can open to Colossians chapter 2, and uh, when you find that, go ahead and stand and we'll, uh, we'll read that together. We'll actually be starting in verse 6. Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which, were host- which was hostile to us, and he, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God." If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with youth, with, with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men? These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for this morning once again. Uh, I just pray that as we look into your word, Lord, that you would direct us, that you would guide us. Father, I pray that you would give me the, the words to speak, that our hearts would be open to hear from you this morning, that you would be glorified in all that we do here. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I found out as of last Sunday that I was going to be preaching today, so... Um, been kind of an interesting week, but uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I just, I'm more comfortable when I'm teaching Sunday school than I am up here. Um, So uh, I'll tell you what I don't think I've ever said from up here. I've said it when I was in in Sunday school in there. Anything you hear up here that brings you closer to the Lord, that's from the Holy Spirit. Anything that doesn't make any sense, that came from me, okay? So just so we're clear. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about where the good stuff comes from, all right? So I was talking to a friend recently, and he was telling me a story about his family growing up. 
he said, if I, if I get this correct, I believe his parents became believers shortly um, after they got married. And so he grew up in a Christian family, but it was very strict. It was very, um, very legalistic, basically. Um, go to church on Sunday, you make sure you're there. You, um, you, know, you don't dance, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't go with girls who do all that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, he said, the, the one that got me was, he said, we didn't even play cards. He said, we didn't even play Rook because, you know, for those of you who are older, you understand this, but if you're younger, you may not understand it. You know, they, Rook cards were, were created so that you wouldn't be playing with those evil, you know, cards that they, that they gamble with and that kind of thing. But he was like, we didn't even play Rook because it might, somebody might see you playing cards and think you had, and you were playing with a regular deck. So it was just no, no possibility of anybody seeing you do something that might look, might look evil. Um, and so he grew up in this, and um, as his parents got older, his, his dad developed Alzheimer's, and his mom couldn't deal with it, and she began to drink and became an alcoholic. And you look at, you go, what, what went wrong? What happened? What happened? Um, you see all this morality all this um, good behavior, but then when the difficulties came, things fell apart. A lot of people come be- become Christians, and what they do is they start imitating others. They start imitating other Christians. Um, it makes you wonder if some Christians don't really believe in cloning. Because once, they, once, a, once a person becomes a Christian, they just, just be like me and, and everything will be okay. That's, that's, your, that's supposed to be your goal. Um, do we allow the world to define what a good Christian is? Just Those are kind of some things to get us started to think. But uh, let's go ahead and look back to our text, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So, the first thing is, what does Paul assume? He obviously assumes that the Colossians, they have received Christ. They have received Christ, they are believers. Um, And so, I have to say, what's the so therefore? So walk in him. That to me says, there are other options. He's saying, you believe him. Now, don't just believe, walk in him. So if, if you're not walking in Jesus, what are you doing? If you've accepted Christ and you're not walking in him, then it seems to say that you're walking in your own strength, your own wits. You're trusting me. You're, not trust, you know, you're trusting in, in you. You're, I'm trusting in me, not in, not in him. Um, so verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So here's the reality about the Colossian believers. They were firmly rooted. That's what he's saying. Um, just like some of the trees, you know, last, last week, that big storm that came through here, we had some crazy winds apparently, and lots of trees just got twisted off. Um, 
And lots of trees obviously withstood the, the winds because they had good deep roots. Um, I saw some trees that were, had fallen over. The, you see the big ball of roots you know, sticking up, and they didn't have enough depth or good enough soil. Um, makes you think back to, to Jesus' parable about the, the seeds when they get scattered, and some of them fall on the road, and some of them fall um, in the weeds and, and uh, get choked out, and then some of them fall in good soil. These people, the Colossians, they had fallen into good soil. They were, they were taking root. They were being built up in Christ, which says to me they, they, were, they had good teaching. They were, they were built, and they were probably building one another up to, to a large degree. Um, and, it, and, and this idea of being established in their faith um, talks about a good foundation. So they've got, they've got good stuff going on. They've been instructed. Um, so they're, they're getting fed. They're getting all the things that they need to be um, walking in Christ. And, and one thing that really jumped out at me is that they're overflowing with gratitude. They're grateful. They're grateful people. Um, and we're going to talk a little, I'll, I'll come back to that a little bit, but um, being grateful is, is huge um, in, in our walk with the Lord. So moving on to verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. So they've got all this good stuff going on, and now he goes back and he says, but, you know, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. So they had lots of good stuff, but he says you've got to be on guard. Even though you've got all this good stuff, you can still be taken captive. So he says he gives a few of the, of the things that, can, that we can be taken captive by. Uh, philosophy, lots of social hot button issues. You know, you can, you can, we could list them all off, um, but all you have to do is open the paper, or, um, and especially any of the uh, any of the national news website kind of things. You know, LGBT, the the whole gender issues that are so screwed up, and you know, just all these different things that are that it, it's easy to say. Well, this is what worldly wisdom is. This is what philosophy, uh, our worldly philosophies would, would tell us are right. So he's saying, don't be, don't be deceived by those. Don't be taken captive. Um, empty deception uh, could, be, could be a number of different things. Um, the traditions of men. Again, there's so many things that we as a society say, this is what's normal. This is what, this is what you should be doing. Um, and the elementary principles of the world. To me, that's like common sense. You know, it's just, well, do, do, what, do what makes sense. Do, what, do what's right. Um, but he's saying, don't get sidetracked by all these things. Don't, don't allow these things to be pulling you away. And he says at the end of that verse, rather than according to Christ. So see to it that no one takes you captive through, through all these different things, rather than according to Christ. So it's like be captivated by Christ. Not by all the peripheral stuff. Don't get caught up in all the, all the junk that's going to try to tug at you, but be captivated by Christ. Remember that what Jesus is, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what Jesus is, he is in you. All of him is in you. And that's what he's going to get to um, in verse 9. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So if all of God 
All that is God dwells within Jesus, right? And all of Jesus dwells in you. It's kind of a powerful thought when you stop and think about it. Um, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. What does it mean? Um, you don't need to turn there, but this will be a familiar verse to you. Matthew seventeen twenty. It says, Truly I say to, say to you, if you have faith the, th- the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So all that power that is in Jesus is in you. Um, can you make a mountain move? Can I make a mountain move? No, I can't. Not on my own. I can go try. I can go try to move a tree or whatever. And that's another one that Jesus, another example that Jesus uses. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you could tell this tree to go be up, uprooted and go plant itself in the sea. You know. Um, so we have that God who can move mountains living in us. And that's the point. Um, It's not that I have the power. It's not that I have the strength. And it's not about my will. In that, it's not about my will. It's about Christ's will. And what does he want to do through me? Because frankly, I don't have the... I don't have anything to bring and stand up here and preach a sermon and have it be worth anything. That's why I said at the beginning, if there's anything good, it comes from him, not from me. Um, Because he can move mountains, he can also move in our hearts. But he does it through his spirit. And he may use the words that come out of my mouth, but they're his words, not mine. Um, So verse 10 in him you have made, been made complete, and he is the head over all rule, of, all rule and authority. All of God is in Jesus. Jesus in, is in you. So how could you be anything but complete? You are complete. I am complete. It's not that we need something more. We don't need somebody to, to give us something more or tell us something more to do. We are complete. We're n- missing nothing. Nobody's been shorted. Nobody needs to get more of Jesus. We all have all of Jesus. And there's nothing more he could give us because he's already given us all of himself. He gave everything he had when he went to the cross. And he gave us himself after. So in verse 11 and 12, And in him you, also, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So our flesh is still present. Unfortunately, our flesh is still present. It's still, it's still tied to us. Uh, Romans 6, 6 and 7 says, Our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for for he who has died is freed from sin. So we're separated from our flesh, but it still hangs around, right? I was thinking it, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like your shadow. It's like before before you're saved, it's clinging to you, and you can't get it off of you. 
and, and it's, it's got this incredible influence over you that you really can't get away from. It's like when we're, when we're saved, it's like our shadow now. It's still hanging around, but it doesn't cling to me. I can say, shut up, leave me alone. You know? um, I, can, I can tell it to leave me alone, whereas before, it, it's so tight to me, I, I can't get away from it. Um, so he's given us the freedom to not sin. That's what he's bought for us um, while we're on this earth. Verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. He won. He defeated death. Death owned us. You realize that? Death owned us. We were sold into slavery. We, we really, we sold ourselves into slavery. When we sinned, when we, um, and I realize you go, well, I was born into it. I didn't have a choice. Recognize that. But we're all born, born into it. We all willingly sinned. It wasn't like somebody forced us to. It was, it was in us, and we did it. And as soon as we did, we were sold into slavery to sin. But he redeemed us. He's the one who went and paid the debt to our debtor. And our debtor was death. Death was the one we owed. Uh, if you ever have listened to, um, can't think of his name now, uh, financial guy. Um, anyway, he always brings up the verse from uh, the borrower is slave to the lender. And uh, we were slaves. We had... We had basically sold ourselves to death for the, pay, the payment of sin so that we could sin. Um, but because the payment of our sins was our own life, he paid his own life and bought back the deed to our lives. And then I love this picture in here, and he nailed it to the cross. So he took our deed that we didn't own. We had sold ourselves, and he bought that back, and he nailed it to the cross saying, nobody, nobody owns you anymore. So Christ is in us. That's all we need. He's done it all. There's nothing more that we need to do. All that we could ever need to walk in him, has, he has already supplied. He's given us everything. So the question is, as we come to the end of this section, have you accepted his payment for you? Have you been crucified with Christ? Have you allowed your old sin nature to be put to death? And if so, do you walk in him? Are you allowing others to pull you away with their expectations of what righteousness looks like for you? Are you buying into whatever other people say this is supposed to be what righteousness looks like? Let's move on to verse 16. It says, Therefore no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So we have to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? 
So what he's about to build on, uh, what, he's, what he's about to say builds on what he just said, uh, points us back to that Christ has won because he has purchased us, because he is in us, he's fully dwelling in us, um, and he is fully deity. Um, so he bought us back. So the question is now what? He says, don't let anyone judge you for the shadowy stuff. Stuff that doesn't compare to what's to come. He uses the, the, the term shadow because it's, it's like there's, there's some substance there, but what you're, what you're selling yourself into is this shadow. It's, it's, it's nothing. There's nothing there. There's no substance there. And he says, he's saying, don't be sold back into slavery. And now this is, this is a different slavery maybe, but it's really not much different. This is slavery to dead works. People are going to try to tell you, you you've got to do these things. Um, but he's saying, don't, don't be sold back into that slavery. Don't try to add to your salvation in order to be a good Christian to make sure you make it to heaven. That's not what we have to do, right? We don't have to try to be a good Christian to make sure we make it to heaven. I'm not saying good deeds are a bad thing, because obviously James talks about uh, faith without works is dead. So works, doing good things, that's, that's not a bad thing. It comes down to motivation. What's our motivation? And what's our heart attitude? Are you trying to earn your way? back to heaven or back to Christ or, or whatever it is. Um, works alone won't save anyone. And, of course, he's talking about, you know, for the most part, the Colossians are trying to go back to the, um, the, old, the old Testament law. And, you know, you've got you to gotta do this on the Sabbath and you've got to keep these rules. And he's saying... That's not, that's not right. Motiv- it, it comes down, what's, what's your motivation? What's your heart attitude? And, and are you walking with Jesus? Are you trusting in him through every step of every day? Um, and it's not going to happen every step of every day. But what's your motivation? Jesus already did all we needed him to do. Okay, He paid it all. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that this morning. Um, so verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you, defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stands on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. Why do these people lead uh, others away from Christ? Because that's what they know. To them, that is Christianity. That is walking with Christ, is, is doing all these things. And it's also, you know, if, if, if this is the, the direction they're going, if they can grab you and, and pull you in with them, then they feel better about what their, what their situation is. Um, so what kinds of things do people try to tell us? In words or otherwise, there, there's lots of different ways that people try to influence us. Um, things that we have to do or not do. Um, p- things that people judge us for um, because of uh, 
wanting to, to bring us into conformity to their idea, but, but things that go beyond the, the Word of God. I, I made a list, and I'm sure if I, um, especially after I give my list, I could probably get a lot, of, a lot more. Um, if this was Sunday school, that's what we do, but um, I'm supposed to just be preaching, so, so we won't do that. Um, they'll judge you for what you wear. They'll judge you for what you don't wear. They'll judge you for how you speak, where you shop, what you watch, what you don't watch, who you hang out with, who you don't hang out with, what you drink, what you don't drink, what you eat, what you don't drink, or what you eat, what you don't eat, what games you play, how you have fun, how you celebrate, what you buy, the expense of your house, your car, your jewelry, your kids, college choice, and how much you paid for that, or how much you didn't pay for that. Um, what kind of job you have, how much you give, who you give to, how you give. It's all those things. There's lots of things. There's, there, again, there's, there, that's a short list. I can remember when, um, shortly after Heather and I were married and we were living here in Bernie for a, a short time, I felt the call, I felt the Lord saying, you need to go to Bible college. And I didn't, you know... Most of the time when people go to Bible college, go to a, a strict Bible college, it's because they're going to be a pastor or a youth pastor or a music, whatever, all those kind of things. And um, so we decided we were going to go to Bible college. And people were like, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to learn the Bible. Because when is that not profitable? You know, what, what can that not be useful for? Um, but there were a lot of people that, they didn't say it to me, but I know my parents were like, you know, there were a lot of people going, what in the world is he thinking? You're going to spend all that money for what, you know? Um, and praise the Lord, for four years, he provided all that was needed for me to go to school. Um, and uh, so it would have been easy to go, well, that's right. Uh, all, the, all the conventional wisdom is that that's a bad idea, so I probably ought to back off of that. But I knew what the Lord had said, so... We went. Um, so people are going to tell you what a good Christian would do and how they would act. Are we not given guidelines in Scripture for how to live? Yeah, we are. Um, but when, when people want to put things on you, I think you've got to ask the question, did Jesus' blood cover this? Do I still have to observe the Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday and, and not do anything? And, you know, if not, am I, am I going to be judged? Did Jesus' blood not cover that? I think if you read the Gospels, you'll figure out pretty quickly that uh, Jesus understood the Sabbath a whole lot differently. Um, and, and obviously, he said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, you know, ask, did Jesus somehow miss this one when he was nailing all my other debts to the cross? Was his death and resurrection insufficient? And so now I have to do this or I have to make up for it. Is that something I have to, I have to take on? I've got to, I've got to do that, you know. Um, and so as I was thinking through these things, I'm trying to find a balance. Because there are some things that we do. Um, most of you know, and know me fairly well in here. Um, and you know that the only time pretty much I'm going to be wearing a tie is if I'm preaching or if I'm, maybe if I'm doing communion. That's about the only time, right? Um, and so for me, 
I'm a very casual dresser most of the time. Um, I would much prefer to just be in shorts and a t-shirt 99, not pretty much 100% of my time. Um, and, and, and I would be fine with that. So you say, well, am I, am I conforming? Am I trying to fit into a mold? I don't think so. I think that there's a certain amount of respect. I think if I, had to, if I felt like I had to dress up, if I had to put a tie on, if I had to do all these things, because that's what a good Christian would do, and so I'm trying to make sure I fit into the mold of a good Christian, then I think it's wrong. But there's nothing wrong with wearing a tie. I'm not sure there's anything right with it necessarily either, but, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, and so, you know, I could, I could just as easily come in in shorts and a T-shirt and judge everybody who's not wearing a jo- shorts and a T-shirt because I go, well... They obviously don't have the same liberty I have in Jesus, you know. Um, so we can, we can take our, our opinions and our, our liberties and go too far with them. Um, and and the, the, the flip side of this is that what I was just referring to is that we also have to be careful that we're not putting our expectations on anyone else either. Um, there was on... Friday, this was from um, uh, Oswald Chambers. Just a couple of short paragraphs here. Always measure your life solely by the standards of Jesus. Measure your life solely by the standards of Jesus. Submit yourself to his yoke and his alone. And always be careful never to place a yoke on others that is not of Jesus Christ. It takes God a long time to get us to stop thinking that unless everyone sees things exactly as we do, they must be wrong. That is never God's view. There's only one true liberty. The liberty of Jesus at work in our conscience, enabling us to do what is right. Don't be impatient with others. Remember how God dealt with you, with patience and with gentleness. But never water down the truth of God either. Let it have its way and never apologize for it. Jesus said, go and make disciples, not make converts to your own thoughts and opinions. Another one of my favorite quotes from Oswald Chambers, and I I couldn't find it this morning, but it goes something, I've I've seen it a number of times, because when I go onto the website to read his uh, daily thing, then down there at the bottom there's always a thought, and this one comes up fairly regularly, and it goes something like, um, don't allow your, or I guess he says, many of us basically, we, we, take, we allow our thoughts about God and our understanding, maybe our, maybe our doctrines, to be like hot molten lead that we pour into a special mold, and once it's cooled, we throw it at the heads of religious people who disagree with us. <laughs> and that's sometimes how we, how we treat our doctrine. That's how we treat our beliefs about God is we just want to argue with people and disagree with them as if that's going to get them closer to God or closer to a walk with the Lord. Um, So be careful. Be careful. Uh, Verse 20. 
If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit, submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men? So are you dead to those things or not? So if you are, why keep paying attention to, to, the, to, to the decrees, to the, to the this is what you've got to do? So, you know, and then the, the, again, the flip side of it, do I just do whatever I want? And the answer is yes, if you're walking with Christ. If you're walking in him, if, you're, if you are walking in step with him, then whatever you want to do is what he wants to do. Is that always easy to determine? No, it's not always easy to determine. Um, because my flesh is still there. My flesh is still trying to make its argument. It's still trying to convince me that, that I should listen to, to what it wants. All right, finally, verse 23. It says, These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. They have the appearance of wisdom. So why are they not wise? Because it's still dealing with the flesh. This idea of self-made religion. I, um, over the last couple of years, I, and I, again, I've, I've probably shared this in Sunday school before, but I believe that if we all sat down, if we, if we decided we were going to make a committee and create our own our own religion, if we sat down and said, here's how we're, you know, this is what it's going to look like, we would come up with a works-based religion. Because if you look at every religion around the world except for one, they're pretty much all works-based. Which is one of the greatest convincing proofs to me that Christianity, that, that Jesus, this was something totally different. You can't work your way there. And that really frustrates us. I'd really like to be able to chip in. I'd really like to be able to say, I did something. I think as, as human beings, we want that desperately. Self-abasement. Again, this is something I can do. Something that I can do to make, make myself worthy to go to heaven. Severe treatment of the body. Yeah, can I, can I you know... Deprive myself, and again, make myself worthy. All these things are of no value against fleshly indulgence. None of these things help you bring your flesh under control. They don't do that. They feed your flesh. Because your flesh wants those things. Your flesh wants to feel like it can earn its way to heaven. That's what it wants. So, the only way to fight fleshly indulgence is through Jesus Christ. Submission to Him. What's my real problem? It's nobody else in this room. It's me. It's not the government. It's me. I'm my biggest problem. 
my flesh, and more rules will not fix me. They can make my behavior look better, but they will not change my heart. Focusing on how not to sin won't fix my problem. Jesus has already paved the way for us. Again, this is one of those that if you've been in Sunday school, you've heard this a few times. But don't focus on sinning or not sinning. Focus on Jesus. Because, again, we, always, we tend to ask the question, you know, if the line over here, there's a line over here somewhere, and if I cross that line, then I've sinned. And we focus on that line and go, okay, I'm still not there. Still okay. When we should be turned around and Jesus is over here. And it doesn't matter. We're not looking at sin anymore. We're looking at Jesus. How close can I get to Jesus? The sin's left behind. The sin doesn't matter. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? And here's the other side of the coin. Are you being authentic? Are you being real? Are you being real with, with those you come in contact with, with your spouse, with, with the people in church, with uh, people you work with? In the story that I opened up with, why did this woman have to fake her Christianity? She, wanted, she needed to fit in. And those around her All looked perfect, so she had to look perfect. She wasn't really given a lot of tools, most likely, on how to do that. Or maybe she just missed them. I don't know. But she sees those around her, and she sees these people are all perfect. And if I want to be accepted, i got to look perfect. We have our Sunday perfection, our Bible study perfection, our prayer meeting perfection. You know, and some of us, we go out into the workplace and, or to school or whatever, and, and we drop that perfection. Some of us keep, keep hanging on to it. We put on a show. We dress up for each other, right? More ways than one. It's not just, it's not just the tie, you know, but it's like, have you noticed how perfect, perfect I am? I want you to notice. I'm pretty good this week. Uh, I heard yesterday from someone the uh, our, the church's four letter word is fine. How you doing this morning? Fine. Did you have a good week? Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Really? And I'm not saying that everybody you walk in, you make contact with, you got to pour out everything that's you know that's in your heart and you know every every stumble that you had this week. Um, but I think sometimes we, we come in and we go, yeah. The, the impression we give, at least, is I'm doing great. Didn't struggle at all with the sin this week. Batting a thousand. Everything's good. Everything's great. I'm doing good. And then, of course, what's the other person going to respond? Yep, me too. Wow, you know. Um, we get this idea that that's who we have to be. 
you get the feeling you're hanging out with super Christians and, and you go, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? What did I miss? Did I, did I do something wrong? I better start imitating. I don't, wanna, don't want them to know the truth. Can we be real with one another? We need authenticity. When we lack it, it brings a falseness and an insincerity. And the world needs to know that we're fallen, that we struggle, but that we have somewhere to go with it. Not just that we get to put on our Sunday makeup and everything's good, but that we have somewhere to go with it. So where do you take ear? Where do you take this, this struggle? I encourage you, the first place, obviously, is you take it to the cross. But I'll tell you, too, that there is something to be said for confession to somebody. Talking to somebody and going, this is what I'm dealing with. Because I guarantee you, you get out out in the open, it loses a whole lot of power. And we all struggle. There's, all, there's something that every one of us struggles with. It may be big, it may be little, it may be huge. But we all struggle. And there's nobody in this room that hasn't struggled. So we shouldn't be afraid to go talk to somebody and say, I got this struggle. I'm really struggling with this. It keeps coming back. So... In summation, wrapping things up, don't be fooled into thinking you can fake it. You can't. Not forever. Something's eventually going to take you out. Something's going to come along that's bigger than your faking it can make, can, can deal with. That only Jesus Christ, only walking with him, only being at peace through him, that's the only thing that's going to, to bring that about. Don't try to fit into anyone's mold and don't try to fit others into your mold. Let them see the real you. It's okay. The ugly and the good. And be, be willing to accept others with, for, with their struggles and their failures. The world is not looking for fake perfection. It doesn't do anybody any good and can't keep it up for very long. We don't need more rules to follow. We need to follow our shepherd. My dad was telling me that um, at his church, the, the elders were reading through a book, and, and there was this uh, illustration. This guy had gone somewhere, and, and it was where they have uh, lots of sheep or whatever. And so uh, another guy was telling him, yeah, you can, you know, you look out there, you see the sheep, and you see the, the shepherd, he's leading the sheep. The, he doesn't hurt them, he, he, he leads them. You know, he's out in front, and they follow him, they follow him. And they're driving along, and... Pretty soon they see a, a herd of sheep, and there's some guy driving them from behind. And he's like, well, what about that? And the guy says, well, I don't know. Let me go find out. So he gets out of the car and goes, talks to the guy. Comes back, he says, that, that's the butcher. <laughs> the butcher drives the sheep, but the shepherd leads the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads us. He gently leads those with young, he talks about in Isaiah. It's a beautiful picture. I'm 
mentioned gratitude earlier, that, that, that the Colossians, Paul mentioned that they were, they had a lot of, they were good on the gratitude side of things. If you're having a hard time getting close to the Lord, just start praising him in the morning. Get up every morning and think of, just start making a list. Be grateful for all that he's done. I guarantee you, if you really start thinking about it, you'll find plenty. Um, the little things, the big things. Don't be fooled into thinking that everybody around you has it all together and you're the only one messed up. We're all messed up. We all struggle. Be real with at least one or two people. Sins and temptations lose power when we bring them out in the, into the light. We think people are going to judge us and think we're horrible because of what we've done and perhaps what we're currently doing. What, what we may even be addicted to. Let someone you trust know about it. And if you're the one that someone is confessing to, remember where the Lord has brought you from and have the same attitude as Jesus toward them. Jesus has forgiven us for everything. How can we not extend the same thing to others? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would make us more like you, that we would walk in you daily, um, that we would be quick to forgive, that we would recognize that we all struggle. We all have our, um, our difficulties and the things that trip us up. Lord, help us to run quickly back to you Help us not to be afraid to uh, bring those things out into the light. But, um, but know that you are faithful, that you don't judge us. You're not mad when we sin. You're not um, angry because of what we've done. You just want us back. You want us back where, uh, where we belong in fellowship with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would let these truths sink into our hearts and our minds and um, let us walk closely with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.